Thank you for joining us for Be Our Geek, where everyone is a geek about something and where we cover your pop culture landscape through our geek lens. I'm Miss Shannon here with my regular co-host and podcast life mate, Mr. Jayton Satia, Executive Director of the Twin Cities Film Fest. Jayton, what is going on in your world? What's going on in your world? I'm trying to stay warm. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I am warm enough. Uh, it's yeah. funny because somebody had asked me, and they're a lifetime Minnesotan. They're like, how do you do it? I hate the winter, and it's wearing me out. And my answer, because the winters don't bother me that much. So maybe it's because I grew up in Arizona and didn't get to winter for the first half of my life. So I think I still find it kind of, you know, charming is what it is. You're saying under zero degrees is endearing. Correct. Correct. It's like a very novel concept because we didn't even a weird. like it was. <laughs> that wasn't the case. Like, look at what I happening. grew up in Mississippi, and I didn't move to Minnesota till I was seventeen, eighteen. Mm-hmm. So half my life here, half in Minnesota and India, it's it's cold. I it's know cold. it's cold. You could just deal with the cold. Oh no, yeah, you I mean there's something else sweaters. that I learned too. You can put on as much, you can keep layering up, you Correct. can layer up. But in the deep south, there's only so much you can take off. Right. And right, and you just you cannot do anything about it once it's you know you don't look cute you know necessarily with less clothes. You can cute up with more clothes. No, you can cute up with a lot more clothes. <laughs> right. can, yes, I agree with that. So in that capacity, I am doing fabulous. It's <laughs> awesome. Which brings us to our guest geek this week, who never has to cute up. He is one of our most handsome friends. He is our guest geek friend who is uh, on the show quite often, and really the only person that I let come on this show without having a specific topic in mind before he is on the show. He is the Renaissance man. He is an author. He's a musician. He's our friend T. Aaron Cisco. What's up? What's up, Taylor? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Shannon. <laughs> Well, so, and that is real talk. Yep, he's got the best smile. Like, I smile with his smile. Right. Here's the thing. Like, everybody should follow, um, you should follow Mr. Tierra and Cisco for multiple reasons. If you're not on his social medias, for sure, make sure you follow him on Instagram. He's uh, at Satorial Saint, which I will tell you this, Taylor, of all of your Insta, all your social media handles, that is my favorite one that you have. I think you should change (laughs) all of them to that. (laughs) In fact, if that website is available, I think you should get Satorial Saint dot com as your website have you looked that up yet i haven't it, it was really tongue-in-cheek and i just never got around to changing it like a friend of mine back when i started on instagram uh that, that was when it was remember it was just for iphones yep yep and mm-hmm. you couldn't get and i had an android so then i had to work around i was like i gotta get a name <laughs> and then a friend of mine very snarkily was like well you should be a sartorial saint since you hit a bless us <laughs> unsolicited fashion tips i was like you know what i want to be sartorial saint and right just too lazy to change it. <laughs> I think you should use that for everything. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I love it. It rolls off the tongue. It's easy to spell. Because uh, your website is black intellectual kind of, but with no, <laughs> like, I can't even say. Because you have to say all the time, is black intellectual without the vowels except for the I. Like, it's right. just like, because <laughs> your website is B L K 
I-N-T-L dot com. Sartorial Saint would be so much easier if you just if I just got to <laughs> follow him. I think I'll buy that for you as your next birthday present. And then you could point uh, everything to SartorialSaint.com. Your 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 website for your music, TreyAaron.com, can go to SartorialSaint.com. <laughs> BlackIntellectual.com for all of the wonderful books. Because you've been very prolific lately. Over the last few years, you've had how many books come out now? Seven with the recent uh, one or eight? Uh, yeah, this is the eighth. Okay. This is my most recent yeah. mm-hmm. number eight. Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, thank you. I'm just uh, just restless. And <laughs> to make it sound way more uh, sophisticated than it actually is, Toni Morrison has a lovely quote. Yes. That if there's a story that you want to read but you can't find it, then you must write it. And so that's my – that's whenever people talk about process and all that, that's where it comes from. Like, oh, I – curious with this has someone written this has someone written this is there a book about this and then usually the case is no not really or sort of but i don't like the way they did it so i'm like you know what let me let me try it let me do this so right. i have an idea and uh and nowadays it's, it's very very easy or a lot easier than it was even five ten years ago to like take your idea get it on the page and then get it to the public and so well i, I still like applaud you and we uh the last time we had you on the show we were talking about your autobiographical retrospective your basically your memoir black nerd blue box the wibbly-wobbly memoir of a lonely Whovian. Uh, so I want to uh, just touch base with that a little bit as well. But uh, your latest book, um, Rod, String, Nail, and Cloth, an Afrofuturism mixtape, had just dropped. So I appreciate that. I want to talk about that. But there's a couple of things I want to bring uh, Jayton up to speed regarding uh, what's going on with Mr. Trey Aaron, Mr. T. Aaron Cisco, a.k.a. Taylor Cisco, all of the names. Um, one, Jayton, we both need to say thank you to him. I don't know if you have recently because I don't know if I brought you up to speed on on this so um i handle a lot of the live stream events for the twin cities film fest uh right. taylor and so i um needed some music for that and some other projects that i have so i don't know if you noticed jayton but some of the music that we've been using during our live stream was provided by our friend taylor cisco aka trey aaron aka t aaron cisco so like for instance i did notice it but i didn't know if it was the same Francisco. Yes, it is the that same. That makes sense. Like, right. Not that your name is too common, but I'm like, there was a little bit of a connection there, and uh, I'm glad you just kind of verified it. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And enhances, you know how it is. Right. Little things, maybe music is a big thing, but the customer experience is all-inclusive of visual and auditory and the conversation. So um, having your expertise in your and your your art as part of it um, means a lot so thank you well, i appreciate it just having to contribute especially musically that's one of the things that with the current conditions actually not current anymore but of the past year that's one i think suffered uh pretty heavily is just live performance whether it's theater comedy music especially right because it's it's one thing to do uh like zoom panels for a convention. It's another thing for even like table reads and they do like uh, celebrity meet and greets and things like that. And painters can still have digital galleries, but for bands, rappers, singers, poets, right. uh, you know, a lot of friends in the scene, they're all saying the same thing. Like it's just any, it's any way we can get it out there mm-hmm. these, these past 12 months is crazy to think of. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, I was like one of those things I'm going, oh, I was looking for music. I was like, wait a minute, you know a musician. 
Why don't you ask him to use his music? So I was very happy that he said yes when we uh, had this chance to do it. And so I do want to talk about your book, but I want to talk to you about a couple things because it's been a while since we uh, caught up. And and it, uh, whenever we have you on the show, Taylor, that means that we get to uh, have a general grab bag of geek things because there's always so much going on, and we have very few friends that are probably as uh, diverse in the things that we're watching. So if we had had you on, um, like our last episode, we had our friend Darren Lynch on, and we had, because he is a DC Comics fan, we had a very involved conversation about Wonder Woman 1984. And I brought you up (laughs) because uh, for anybody listening to the show, they are familiar with Taylor, and I know we all have some mutual friends. So, Jayton, I don't know if you saw this. Taylor put up the most glowing endorsement. He wrote like this review of Wonder Woman 1984 when the film first dropped to the point that I thought they paid him. Like I was expecting the bottom of it to have like some asterisks that said, this is a paid endorsement. I have received compensation for this review. Like he talked like he loved this movie. And I hadn't seen the film yet when I read his thing. So I was like, okay, cool. Then I saw the movie and I can't stand this movie (laughs) 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 to the point that taylor who's a good friend of mine it made me question his taste it made (laughs) um i think that's okay (laughs) i think that's called uh you know uh, that that is what adds the context to a friendship or to a partnership right it's it's conflicts that add again this is not a conflict right it's opinions and like you love something and I don't love something. That's right. okay. But the fact that you're able to make fun of it, mm-hmm. make fun of the fact that his endorsement was so <laughs> over the top and you thought it was so much. much. It and was then the opposite <laughs> is that I'm like, like how much Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four swag does he have in his office now? Please <laughs> ask them how much did they yeah. send him? Does he have an invisible jet in his backyard? You know, is that <laughs> <laughs> Kenan, did you write a review of uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four? Did Me? You ever, yeah, did you write a review? I did not. I did not. So if you did, it would be the opposite. And Taylor, oh would, be wondering, Taylor would be wondering, where did Marvel come in and tell Shannon to butcher? <laughs> <laughs> Quite so. It may, I, I appreciated so much that we had such varying opinions on this that um, during a mutual panel, a discussion afterwards, I came up with a very racially charged panel that, J, that, that Taylor and I should do next year. And it's really, can we get away with it? And I think we can because it's us. So I thought well, it'd be fun. It'd be funny, right? From an audience perspective, to have, if you guys were planning this dispute yeah. on stage, right. but it looked natural, it was like it was, it was happening in the moment, that could go viral in a heartbeat. I wanted to call it. Battle of the Blacks is what I thought would be funny. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Which made us laugh, and then we're like, will the they get it? Either will the vowels missing. Yeah. <laughs> With the yeah. vowels missing. <laughs> we're like, if we, if we called it that, would people get the irony that it was us? Because we're also the people that they always put on the diversity panels, which is completely reasonable and makes sense. Um, I just brought you up, Taylor, because I, I spoke to our other mutual friend, Jonathan Palmer, who we need to have on the podcast as well, Jayton. I'll set that up. And, you know, they, you know, we do do the rounds on that, and we volunteer to be in that space uh, and to talk about this so that some of our counterparts who do not want to be in this space do not have to. 
because they're, you know, you, you don't have to be in every single lane. Like Taylor and I and some of our other friends choose to be in this space where we talk about inclusivity and diversity and those voices and those stories. Um, so for us to be also on a panel that was called Battle of the Blacks and we just duped it out, I thought was very <laughs> funny. Especially if the panel is, is all of us. Yes. <laughs> because I've been on plenty of panels or I've sat in audiences where it's all, you know, uh, Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to lots of diversity panels where right. it was all Caucasian, and that was very interesting. Uh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Just like been a lot of like women in STEM and women in, in geekdom panels right. where it's like the only woman is sitting next to me because she was my buddy that came with me to the con. Right. So, oh yeah, we we can have a lot of fun, and I'm no stranger to so-called hot takes. I right. Mean, I, I'm a big fan of Dolores Umbridge from the mm-hmm. Harry Potter universe. Uh, like I, I almost lost my black card because when I first saw Black Panther, because I saw it uh, about a week ahead of the release, yes, for like a fan event. Mm-hmm. My my gut react, my very first reaction. Now this isn't what I feel anymore. Mm-hmm. This is just my initial reaction. Someone's like, "What do you think of it?" This is like three seconds after we walked out of the theater, having just asked, "Like, you know what?" It was like Thor with better acting because the plot. Because <laughs> I wasn't in like. My my right, I wasn't in Geek so I was like, oh, that was a cool movie, but I was in like, he asked me like, what I thought, so I went to like film nerd mode, and I was like, oh, well, you know, it was okay. It was like Thor with better acting, and then everyone was like, what? what? Like, oh, wait, no, let me watch it again. No, <laughs> anyway, I appreciate that answer, though, but I think that, that sometimes that goes back to uh, the general topic of being having the weight of all things on you when sometimes you go into it from the perspective of a fan. And that's how I feel about films. Because like, I also am usually very outspoken about wanting more female-driven, geek-related projects. And so when we have movies like Wonder Woman that I like really am at minimum lukewarm about um, because I think that the character is so much better and deserves so um, – they just have not handled it well and have not handled the character well. And I think that they keep producing trash, but the character deserves better. And so I don't want to because, same thing, like if we talk bad about Black Panther, and I think my initial response was a lot more um, glowing than Taylor's were, but I feel like if I talk bad about a female-driven property, it has more weight on it, and they go, see, even women don't like it. It's like, no, the movie is problematic for multiple reasons. You didn't only make it. Like, I think if we look at movies like Aquaman, that was presented through more of a female gaze. I still think it's a garbagey movie. I think it was presented through a female gaze or in, with a, or an attempt, an attempt at a female gaze when Wonder Woman is not. I feel like it's a movie that has women in it, but it's not sent through a female filter. Because I don't think, and, and, and Taylor, one of the things that I talked about on the, the previous episode is I don't think she acts like what a strong female character would act like in Wonder Woman 1984. And that was my primary problem with that movie is like no strong female character would see a quote-unquote friend slash cogly get physically assaulted and then be like, deuces, see you tomorrow, and not make sure <laughs> that they made it home okay. They were, they were barely friends. I've watched strangers point. to their car. <laughs> you have a good point, because especially with the DC characters, I mean, we've got 70, 80-plus years of storytelling, and so when we move them to some adaptations, they have to kind of trim the edges and kind of like whittle them down like mm-hmm. Batman. Like, I like Batman in the comics. The Batman movies are hit or miss, mostly right. because in the comics, one of his 
first and longest-running nicknames is the world's greatest detective. Right. Where he's supposed to be brilliant at finding these things and solving clues and going head-to-head cerebrally. But almost every movie, they kind of just brush through that. They might show a scene in the Batcave where he, like, does something magic, and then, all right, I'm going to go out and kick some ass. Right. It's like, so Batman in the movies is, like, slightly crazy, cool toys, a lot of fight scenes, lots of action. Right. So we lose the whole detective angle. We lose the whole, like, paternal thing because there's a lot of jokes about him picking up orphans, and they get killed, like Jason Todd and Robin yeah. and all these guys. But in the comics, that's fleshed out more where he's trying to fill this gap and make it so that other kids in Gotham don't go have the childhood he had, which is also kind of a dick move because he right. grew up a billionaire. Why wouldn't you want everybody to be a billionaire? Yeah. But, but we lose that because they have to trim it down for adaptation. And they're still trying to find it out. Like with right. Superman, they kind of had it in the 80s with Christopher Reeve. They kind of figured out, oh, we're going to have like, kind of like the Super Boy Scout. Yeah. And then they tried with Brandon Ruth or whatever his name was from that one movie. Yeah. And that didn't really work out because that was sort of like a remake of the Christopher Reeve movies, and that didn't kind of fly. And then you had right. Smallville, which was like a different take. Yeah. And now you got Cavill, who they're sort of trying to figure out what to do with it. Right, and they can't decide and if he's just small muscles or... Right. You know, like, are we going to go be dark? Be dark? <laughs> right. Yeah, I get that. And so I think that's where I get frustrated is that we have a film like, and, and I'm not going to rehash everything about Wonder Woman 1984, but when we have a, a, a character that could be more dimensional and then all they do is lean into the women show emotions and find and, and are based upon whether they love a man or not and that's all that matters and I think that there could be so much more with that character and that there was so much more with that character uh, in the books so that will lead me to what I think is the next <laughs> thing that we'll do because we just had a whole episode about that and I don't want to harass anybody. you want to throw out one tiny thing that might not have come in your previous episode because it's one okay. thing okay. about Wonder, both Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84 which yes. is weird it's almost like an overcorrection and this is all okay. just my crazy theory or whatever mm-hmm. but in the first wonder woman as great as it was one of the things that gets overlooked was the platonic relationships between the male characters that's something you don't see especially in genre films but just movies in general it's not a lot of like it's usually played up as like homoerotic or actual romance or it's played off as a joke because they're not into each other that way but this was just a genuine expression of here are four men who care about each other they are friendly they've gone through some stuff and they actually show those relationships in a way that really hasn't been done before which was weird, because again, that's where my theory is. I, it's almost like Patty Jenkins and crew were like, well, we don't want to alienate guys. So let's really, really put a lot into the relationship that they, these male characters have. And then one of the things I didn't like in the first Wonder Woman was like, well, now we're going to shoehorn in this awkward romance with Steve Trevor. Because right. that felt really off. Whereas the, the four guys... That was amazing. I was like, I actually believe these are friends. It makes sense how they're getting close and why they care about each other. And the same thing in 84, like Diana and Cheetah, that didn't really make a lot of sense, especially because she had the picture of Edna. But the way that they portray Maxwell Lord, especially compared to the way he's portrayed on the Supergirl series, which is a more generic evil villain, in 184, it's like, oh, he's actually not evil. He's just at the end. He has no other options. He's got this son. He's a failure. He's, He's desperate. And so you actually understand why he's going to the links he's going to. It's not just like, I'm going to take over the world. He's like, no, I want to do this because I want to be all things to my son, and I can't help my son unless I have this, so I need to do this to get this. Now that I have this, I need to do more. And it's almost like, like an addict, like he's out of control. Like just one more little thing, which is, again, a nuanced take on a male character. I'll give, kind of like I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Nope, I think the that's main all fair. Should have been doing. <laughs> I think that if they had had the main character focus more on her relationship with Barbara Minerva and the previous relationship she's had, and again, not shoot horn the Steve Trevor 
That's my biggest. When people ask me what would fix that movie, here's what would fix it. Take Steve Trevor out completely. Just take that whole storyline out completely. You can, you, and it wouldn't even take serious rewrites. Like, you could still have a, here's why she has to use the golden armor. You could still have all these things and not need him because I find him the biggest problem and the way that they were. It was creepy. That <laughs> It was creepy the way that, oh, my dead boyfriend's back in somebody else's body, and I'm just cool with that. The world is on fire. I'm just cool with that. I grew up on this super powerful, you know, uh, uh, around all these amazing women, Thermoscara, but I don't support any other women because I'm pining over this dude that died 70 years ago and I only hooked up with once. That's just weird. That's not even, like, even in superhero world, it's just, it just made me crabby. Like, I was watching it and I kept looking for moments to not, turn on the movie because I want these movies to do well. And if I hadn't already heard that it had green lit, they had green lit a third movie already, I probably wouldn't have even said all of that stuff because I would have been worried that I was jinxing the property because we'll be honest, you brought up Thor, um, you brought up Thor, the first two movies, meh. You know, then by the time they got the third, they dialed it in and figured out here's how this character works, here's how we want, you know, they, they had pieces of it but not really, you know, didn't really push the actors in any particularly challenging way. When I think by the time we got to the third Thor movie, they really pushed on all of them, and that makes sense. So I'm cool with, like, hopefully, no. you know, we'll hope that, I'm going to cross my fingers for this one. I want it to be better. I, want, I always want them to always be better. I want, you know, as a nerd and one of the, you know, now I have a lot more nerd friends. You know, when in doubt, you know, and Jaden and I have talked about this before, there's just certain things that we don't try to talk to other people about. I'll just talk to Jaden about it, you know, this kind of thing, or I'll wait until I see you. We have our friend Will Spotterberry. I have a couple people that I just do that. You know, this is, I have the most nerd friends right now of any time in my life, which I appreciate. You know, I, you know, I'm used to being as me and in other people being forced to listen to my things Um, (laughs) and not want anything to do with it and tired of me talking about it. So the fact that I have you now. It's mutual coming from a nerd friend back to you um, because there aren't that many opportunities. Because I'm getting, with the regular day-to-day, you do your work, you do your business, you do your family and you're happy and content with how much ever you can be in your life and there's 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 portions of your being that are not being satisfied and you when you find the right group of people or right the individual you want to be around that individual more and more and more to build that relationship to build upon the fandom that you have on hell pasta making if that <laughs> right. is your thing. exactly um, quilting whatever that, it is yeah, whatever it is. And you need that. And I think everybody, that, that's, I mean, that's the basis of our show. Is that everybody's a geek about something. Um, share it. And hopefully we'll get you more people who are also passionate about the same thing. Right. Um, and you guys can connect. That's mm-hmm. it. It's a, you know, let's, let's build a community together. Or at least the opportunity to speak who you are, speak your truth in a safe environment. Right. Right. Like, I hate this movie yeah it's all safe this is safe (laughs) say what you want there's no judgment coming our way right you you think a couple of counterpoints Mm -hmm. but um no i appreciate uh again i i think i told you i i enjoyed um the first wonder woman more than i did the second one and it's predominantly because of the codependency that she had on steve Mm mm-hmm 
Um, and that's, you know, for me, if I am looking at a strong lead, I want the lead, whether it's a alien or a human being, to, to own who they are. Right. Um, and if they're going to lead us, us as in the, the non-superhero folks through things, I don't want them to be handcuffed by, um, again, relationships are not small things. But right. I want them to be better at managing relationships and or other things than I am because I am not, I wish I could control the world, but I can't, but they can. Right. They can help. So seeing that was a little disappointing. I do agree. I think if Steve's character goes away from Wonder Woman, it doesn't actually, it actually makes the film more stronger. Right. Um, and then you can dive a little bit more into other characters as well. It gives right. you that opportunity to dig a little deeper into their personal relationships. I think that would be an interesting show or an interesting panel for us to do somewhere, and, and we can set that up because a lot of times we know the people that are putting these together. Um, a panel that was, this would be better without. Like a panel that was all about things, yeah. movies that we kind of liked, that if we took one character out or like mostly it. out, that would be, yeah, I, like, I think that that would be fun. Where be, It's not that we hate the movie, but something about it, took you out of it and so i i'm glad we'll write ourselves a little note and i think that should pop up at one of our favorite local cons here we like the three of us could be on that and I just like come that. up with Absolutely. series that would be better if we just took i'd be fine with this if so-and-so was gone and it doesn't mean right. that they're terrible there's just something no. about it that if they weren't there it would be so much better if they were there oh, there's so many properties like the, right. the witch or the vivich as we we're joking about it love anna taylor joy uh, love the film until the last, I guess, spoiler for a three-year-old movie. If they had taken out the devil and just left it as a suspense where you don't know if it is yeah. something supernatural or if it's just like the overzealous nature of that time period, way stronger. Because once yeah. the goat started talking and the cackling and the people, fought, I was like, what the, this was a great movie <laughs> until <laughs> the last like seven to nine minutes. Like, wh why would you do that? It's right. so great. Right. <laughs> You know, there's lots of things where you're like, I was with it until. And I think that there's lots of those scenarios where we would be okay with certain movies if they just – and then you added something in there, and you're like, where did this even come from? Like, why is this here? And you're just looking around going, I'm done. Like, like I've, I've had that happen a lot where I was like on board. Where, and I think it's a, a lot of times when whoever the creators are – create a world I like when they just stay in the world and that it's you know so if they have something that doesn't make sense we're all in the the business of suspending disbelief right where you get very like this only it makes sense because this is how science works here and yes we can so-and-so can breathe in space this person can breathe underwater this person talks to animals okay whatever the thing is cool don't argue with the thing I, I try not to poke holes in that. But if you set the world up and then you mess it up yourself, then that's when I get, well, that, what did, what is right. that? You know, kind of thing. And I think that there's lots of, like, you know, things that we could go, oh, if they just got rid of this person, this would be perfect. So I'm curious to see what we come up with that. So I'll make, yeah, I'll, next time somebody asks me to put a, a, a panel, we'll put that together. Like, maybe we'll do that next year at, at, at Convergence. We'll start pitching that now kind of thing because we could do that now that i know that you know people have learned that last year's convergence that taylor and jayton are not the same people because for <laughs> until that was the first episode where you were both on the same show i think no we had one other one we had one other one i take that back we had one other one so 
Yeah, so that'll be fun. So, Taylor, um, since, you know, and again, we haven't had a chance to talk about this, and I know that you're watching it as well. So we've all now watched, um, at the time of our recording, the first seven episodes of WandaVision. Um, and so uh, we, I, I want to have this conversation as much as we can without completely spoiling things, because this is going to come out. Um, this will come out a week after episode seven dropped. So everybody can get mad at us if you still haven't watched it, if you're one of those people that you can't watch a show, if people have talked about it at all, if you've managed to somehow escape all of the stuff on social media because there have been a number of things that dropped that people have just wandered into information because that's the world we live in now. I'm just warning everybody right now that we are going to now talk about <laughs> some stuff that goes on in WandaVision. Is that okay with everybody? We'll just go ahead and play a little alarm warning here. There might be some spoilers. Just warning everybody. Because we have a few minutes. So, one, I want to get first impressions because uh, we have not had a chance to talk about the series yet. So, we'll go a round table. If we were going to give it, uh, we'll say uh, one out of five geeks, one being the lowest rating and five geeks being the highest rating, how many geeks would you both give it? Um, I will say, based on the first seven episodes, it's a four. Okay, okay. It's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, based on, it hasn't been a season yet, so I want to, you know, have it process the whole concept. Okay. Um, and or the purpose behind the character's choices yet. Right. Okay. Um, I think it's very well done. I think it's unique. I think the fact that it is um, set as a show within a show mm-hmm. is very intriguing. Um, coming at it from a Marvel universe even, that's, again, something brand new. Right. Um, that we haven't seen yet. So it's kind of interesting to, to see them um, go down this narrative life, narrative it's, it's funny because you, when you watch, and again, I watched this particular show with my wife and my uh-huh. son, actually, mm-hmm. who's six and a half, and we're all getting different things from it. Obviously, um, she, she points out all the shows and the decades that are in these episodes. Right. Oh, this, this set mimics this show. Gotcha. So oh, she's this very... This set mimics this show, or the style of this is... Oh, they're talking about an homage to X. So yeah. she can do that. That's and cool. And I appreciate, because I really, I didn't grow up in the United States watching all of those, the classic TV shows here. So, but I know of them, but they're always, they're not in the back of my mind. But to my wife, this is an homage to a show that she watched. So I kind of look at it from that lens and it's fascinating. So I'm, I'll give it a four for now. All right. That is a fair yeah. thing. Okay, Taylor, your turn. Out of five geese, one being the lowest and the um, five being the best, what would you give it? So I have to kind of split it. I think if you are very familiar with the source material, so either the MCU universe as far as the films go, or or better yet, and the comics that they're based on, mm-hmm. then it's definitely, I agree with Jaden, like I give it like a three and a half, a four. Okay. If you're not familiar, like if you're coming into it and like you watch the movies, you're not like a huge Marvel fanboy or fangirl. You're just kind of like, oh, I like them. Let's check it out because there's a lot of buzz. I think, and this is not the content of the show per se. It's more the delivery method. 
uh, I give it like a two and a half. Really? Oh, okay. So I, I've seen all seven episodes to this point twice now because I watch them as they come out. And the first three weeks, because they were doing this incremental release, even though it's on streaming, you only get one new one per week. Uh, the first three, I was, I, was, I was having a hard time. I was okay. like, I'm here because uh, Elizabeth Olsen is giving an outstanding performance. Agreed. I want to see what they do with every decade that they're going to kind of like do a spoof or kind of like, you know, tip of the hat to. But there's nothing in the story that was engaging because it, it, that, that was just my initial take watching it as it was released. And then we got to episode four, which kind of started drawing things together. And I was like, okay, I see what they're doing now. And then I... I kind of complained about it to some friends and stuff, and I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to go back and rewatch it in more of a binge format or, like, contemporary, the way that, you know, Netflix, they drop entire seasons, HBO, when they have new stuff, they're like, here's the entire season. Um, and so I went back, and then watching the first three episodes back-to-back as sort of like a uh, extended season premiere made it way more gripping, and both... Um, my significant other, my kids, they liked it a lot more that way. Whereas when we watched, when it first debuted, my wife checked out after 15 minutes of the first episode. She's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand this. I'm out. Okay. It's not for me. Uh, my kids who have seen the MCU films, uh, my oldest is 11, and she was like, I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, well, and I'm trying to explain it to her as we're talking, yeah. and she's like, well, I guess so, but why is this happening? I was like, well, I haven't said why. She's like, well, then that doesn't really make sense. And that question... Right. Or that statement really resonated because it's like, yeah, like it's one thing to have mystery, but you need to have some context because the main question of a mystery should be like, what is happening with X? Mm-hmm. Who is doing X? There should be some specificity to those questions. And I feel like those first initial episodes, there was no specific question except for like, what the hell is happening? Right. Which is kind of like lost yeah. towards the end there. It's like, what's going on? That doesn't make sense. Right. But altogether, it was like, oh, this is a really gripping pilot. Because there's enough little Easter eggs for, again, for a hardcore comic nerd, like in the very first episode, at the very end, when you see the hand on the TV screen. Right. And you're like, oh, what's happening? And there's a sword logo. I recognize the sword logo right away, but because I'm a huge comic nerd, so right. I know sword. And I don't think they mentioned sword by name until episode four or five. Right. And so, again, my wife is like, what? Why are they doing this in black and white? Like, what happens? Well, they haven't explained it yet. She's like, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. And <laughs> I, I appreciate all of that feedback because I, my initial response, because I've watched it, um, and I don't have anyone in my circle who isn't a big geek who's watched it. So I was going to say I was going to give it a 4.5, and I'll tell you why in a second, but I do appreciate the feedback of your family who have not watched it because I told um, uh, one of my friends who, you know, um, is not a huge geek but knows bits and pieces of it. So I had told her that she would be okay watching it because I'll fill her in on anything that's all the Easter eggs, but I uh, made it akin to Guardians of the Galaxy that a lot of people didn't know the background. So I felt like it's more of just watch it as a mystery, and it was okay that you didn't know all the deep dives about all these characters. It'll come up later because I do think that there, it's easier if you know who all the characters are because after a while you get characters that are basically we haven't seen since the second Thor movie or characters that we haven't seen since um, Ant-Man and the Wasp or characters that we um, haven't, you know, that are really homages to a character that was that's now grown up, you know, kind oh, of thing. Yeah, so Captain it's Captain Marvel, right? Right, yeah, and so it's a Captain Marvel reference, but it's a whole different actor and, and all these years have passed. And that's what I liked about it is that I felt that because it's new-ish characters, it gives you a chance to um, 
really dive in without feeling like you have to go watch all the other movies because they were little pieces of stuff. I also like that it made one of the movies that most people really didn't like, um, uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, important. Because that's basically the origin story for Wanda and Vision. So now it makes something that we all kind of went meh and threw it away worthwhile. And so I liked that. And the thing that I liked best about the series um, is especially since this is the first one that we're going to get of all of the Disney Plus series. And they told us they were going to be important. And as someone that really tried to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then it would get complicated and I'd fall off. Um, I did think that this gave me hope for the way that they have planned for it to work into the franchise, and it made me go, this is why some things should be series and not movies, because it really did give us the opportunity to know so much about those characters, and I liked that, that it was building and a case study in grief and mental health challenges and those things, and, and really thinking about the fact that these side characters, there's all these reasons why they were impacted. Like, you know, the fact that we just yada yada everything that happened to Wanda Maximoff <laughs> for decades. And it's right. like, whoa, that sucked. That, was, that, that sucked, and then this other thing happened to you that sucked, and then you this, and then we just kept telling you to show up and do the job. Okay, well, that's the worst. And that we just kind of, we knew when we watched her interaction with Vision in uh, the Avengers movies how sad that was supposed to feel. But now thinking, well, you're right, that wouldn't be acceptable or you wouldn't expect a friend to just get over it and be and be able to deal with it when you went through that. Basically, you are the one that causes the demise of the person you love and then it gets rewound and you got to watch it all over again. Of course, you're not okay. And we're just like, be okay. So I liked that concept of what the MCU, MCU is doing with the series. So that's probably why I gave it such a high mark, um, is that I appreciate that and, and the way that they are rounding out some characters, but I do understand what you're saying about for people who don't know who all these characters, maybe they didn't give us enough to make you emotionally invested in them. Is that what your family kind of thought, Taylor? Just that, that pilot episode, the very first one, we really don't get any backstory. Mm -hmm. We're thrown into, we're sort of like Honeymooners, I Love Lucy-esque era, and this is what's happening. And there's that one weird scene at the dinner table, and then that's it. Like, right. that's the episode. So if it was like a pilot, mm -hmm. and you said, what's the show about? You're like, oh, well, it's kind of like a weird take on 50s TV with superheroes. It doesn't really have a connection, which is fine. But when you add the second episode as like the middle bridge, like watching them back to back, and it's like, okay, so now we're moving through different genres, mm -hmm. and there's weirder stuff happening, and we're getting like, there's the helicopter in the first episode, the beekeeper in the second episode, and that symbol keeps popping up. Right. Like, oh, okay, something weird is happening, and especially when you bookend it with that third episode, watching all three together, which is only an hour, really, because they're about 20 minutes plus right. eight, nine minutes of credits, then it's like, this is a really strong pilot. This is really gripping, whether or not you have any knowledge of the characters at all. And that's how I liked it. That's why I get, it's more about the format mm -hmm. and not the content. Because Olsen, Olsen quietly, like, who knew watching all those movies, what has been, 22 films or whatever, right. she jumped in back in Ultron, that she was, like, the powerhouse, like, the actor's actor. Like, mm -hmm. she nailed like, the cadence of the speech, the mannerisms for every different genre, while keeping that undercurrent of, right. like, I'm also the Scarlet Witch this whole time. And the fact that she can flip back and forth in the scenes where she has to, like, be real for a second, 
Like when she comes outside, I don't remember which episode, so this might be a spoiler, but when she leaves the hex field and she's talking right. to the dude with the sword, it's like, oh, there's Scarlet Witch. Like she's right. not And she has a hint of that accent again all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. where he's like, you know, I, you know, I agree with you that I think she has done a fantastic job. I really like so many of the other actors have just really shown such amazing depth, you know, where they can just have one comment come out and you're like, wow, they really, they really, you know, that I felt that, you know, you feel the growth of some of the characters, the fact that they gave, I believe it's Randall Park. Um, yes. Like you really have learned so much more about him as an actor where you're like, you know, the fact that we, a lot of the comments we're getting is give X a show, give Y a show, this, that. Yes. You know, I forgot that Elizabeth was part of the old, you know, the, the, old, the younger sister of the Olsen twins. Forget those twins. We only care about this. <laughs> like, cause you, I agree with you that it, it really is just a phenomenally broad um, world that they managed to do in this one that's all about this town and it's like even watching the, the secondary characters that were like are they in pain are they captured are we what they're really you know it's a it's a, it's an emotionally jarring show in spots and then it goes back to the the, the, the you know is this you know, where are we and what are we doing I think to your point, Marvel films as much and I like the MCU I'm a Marvel fanboy love the comics love the movies mm-hmm. all of them um if you really look at all the characters, with the exception of, like, starting with Black Panther, and that was, what, 2017, 2018? Right. Up to that point, so for a decade, you really had the Marx Brothers. Every single Marvel character, especially the leads, they were quip factories. Now, some were funnier than others. Some were more right. sarcastic and snarky. But there wasn't the depth. Like, they were sad when something bad happened, but then they'd turn around with a quip. And it was, right. as, especially the Avengers films, that was just sort of like like sitting with a bunch of improv performers. Like, everyone's <laughs> trying to be who's the, the sassiest, who's the snarkiest. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, we get T'Challa, it gets to have some real depth. And then with Thor Ragnarok, we get to see some real depth. And now with WandaVision, we're like, oh, we can actually have them do stuff that's not funny. Like, she can be hurt and just be hurt without having, like, a sassy one-liner. She can right. just feel it. And everyone can react to it. Because even that, like, in the MCU, someone's like, oh, I'm so sad, or they have something bad happen. Then some other character comes along, and then they've got the one-liner. And it's right. kind of like, it's okay to have a part where, like, people aren't laughing. And right. with the series, they're definitely getting that. Now, they shouldn't go too far, because Marvel found out the hard with the Inhuman series, and those early uh, early seasons of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where it's like, well... Someone should be kind of funny. It's not all too many. <laughs> like, right. like, if they go a little too far, you're like, well, how did we get here? Like, I, and I think that it's, it's just different with this particular series where it doesn't have to be a laugh a minute. But, you know, there's a reason why we find these shows engaging but also entertaining. And I think that that's something that we expect from this particular property um, is that you do want entertainment versus we can't, or or I don't think that as a Marvel fan, I'm not looking for dark just for dark's sake. I understand that something might happen, and uh, and it, I, it makes those moments, I think, even much more, you know, choice, where you're like, oh, well, this is when it got, quote-unquote, real. So I appreciate that. So we're going to stick with it. So nobody's so upset with the series that you're like, I'm done, I'm not trying to get to the last few. Like, right, yeah. like, okay. We'll see what happens when I... How, how many, I don't even know this, but how many episodes are for season one? Was it supposed to be just nine? Just nine, and I think the oh, last okay. two are going to be um, extended versions because uh, we yeah. have a lot to cover. So the first ones were like that 20, 30-minute, you know, they've each gotten a little bit longer. And I think the last ones are closer to an hour, I believe. That's what I read, um, yeah. which would make sense because there's still, back to um, Taylor, your lost comment, there's still a, well, as fans, 
we think it could go this direction, but there's a lot of variation on what it is. Like even with some of the characters revealed um, to be different than what they were, I do think it's also doing what they said it was going to do, which is rarely really open things up to the multiverse and what we're going to get out of Doctor Strange. And at first I was like, ah, whatever, you said that, but we'll see. Um, but it does seem to be like, nope, we're setting this up. Weirdness happens, and that's where we live. We, world, we live in a world where weirdness happens. So I'm good with that. I'm very good with that. Marvel's like the, the, the this, they have like this Jedi Grandmaster skill level of mm-hmm. doing cliffhangers and leading fans to a point, but then not giving them anything at all, and then completely, <laughs> completely blindsiding in, in the best possible way, though. Because even the multiverse, like they were hinting at that in like Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. Because, yeah, it turned out, uh, spoilers, that uh, Mephisto was lying, mm-hmm. or not uh, Mysterio was lying. Mm-hmm. But Shield had all the all that data up, like, oh, okay, so he was not actually Mysterio, but all his research about the multiverse that actually is true. And right. the same thing we saw with Dormammu way back in Doctor Strange, and then the fact that it's like, oh, the three big character reveals from Episode Seven, Six, and Seven, it's like, well, that could mean this, that could mean this, that could mean this. There's a the question of who's this guy that keeps getting referenced, and there's all these fan theories like, oh, we're gonna get these characters, this is how they're gonna be introduced to the MCU, or or maybe that's how gonna bring these people into the MCU, and it's. And it's because it's, I can't think of any other, not just like property, but any studio, any writer that has that. I mean, it's like Hitchcock where you have no idea. You know something's going to happen and you're excited to see what it is, but you have no idea what it would be because there's a million possibilities and every single one of those possibilities would be pretty decent. Right. It, it seems feasible and it would be exciting. And well, well, Taylor, <laughs> I'm excited for you to tell us about your most recent book. I know that I took you on a long road to be able to talk to you about your book. Um, because I wanted to talk about some other stuff first. But please, tell us about your most recent book. Oh, it's good that we took the, the scene route. Because that kind of, that fits in. I finally got a little, little there mm-hmm. we go. Eh, nice. Um, so it's the mixtape. It's my first collection of, like, shorts or, or whatever. And it, the whole thing is, like, earlier I mentioned, like, I write just because I enjoy it. Now, I, I love the fact that other people, you know, knocking wood and everything, have seemed to enjoy some of it, too. Um, but I'm my first, I'm my, my most important fan. I'm the first person I have to write. Like, if I don't like it, I'm not going to put it out or, or share it. And there's lots of things I was wanting to try. Like, I love Edgar Allan Poe. He was probably the first writer I became a fanboy of. And as far as I know, I'd never seen poetry dealing specifically with spec fic or science fiction. So I was like, I'm going to throw in a science fiction poem. Um, I love the epistle story style of writing, which is like writing the style of letters, so like Go Ask Alice, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, um, Flowers for Algernon, the whole, where the whole thing's told in kind of like a diary format or via correspondence. And there's some sci-fi novels that have done it, but I've never seen one from the point of view of the person suffering and having no control over it. It's usually narrative. So it's like, what would actually happen if, so that's the title track, the title story, title track. <laughs> uh, Rod Cino Claus is like, all right, here's someone who is trying to do something where they're transferring their consciousness in order for deep space travel. And then it's like, well, what if they get lost? And they end up inverting it, and they can also traverse space and time. So now they're traveling through time, but they have no control over it. But every so often they get lucky enough, they get to a place where they can come back and write these like, in these emails, these electronic correspondence, trying to explain what's happening and how to help them. Right. But they don't have control over it. And then with that format, it's really easy compared to the traditional, for me, compared to the traditional, like, writing the outline with the plot points and going back, flushing into drafts and rewriting the drafts over and over again, where I can write as correspondence. If this feels kind of funky, it's like, well, that's, that's what my emails sound like. That's what my Facebook messages and text messages, they're not, they're not super great. Sometimes the grammar is not perfect, um, and most of that's intentional, I should okay. say. Okay. <laughs> 
Taylor, can I just please tell you, uh, I just love the way your brain works um, and that the variety and all of the different um, the, the library that you've cr uh, created of work um, and that there's such a intentional uh, bent to your creation and why you decide to write what you write, I'm just amazed. And I think it just watching you, it just is always fascinating to me the way that you go, here's how come I made this. Oh, well, thanks. Um, yeah, a lot of it's just, again, that restlessness, that energy. Cause I'm like, I think this would be cool. I have one in here that's a dialogue, and okay. it's probably the one I'm the, the most concerned about uh, because it started as a draft for I had ambitions to do a short film. Yes. And, but I also love Douglas Adams, and there's not a lot of genuinely funny sci-fi. Like, there is sci-fi that has a lot of funny elements, and there are some comedies that are – put in sci-fi settings or environments, but they're still definitely comedies. But I love things like Red Dwarf, Hitchhiker's Guide yep. to the Galaxy, where it is a really nice blend of both comedic and sci-fi. Like, it doesn't really skimp on either yeah. side. I wasn't going to try and write an entire thing, but I was like, I can do a short film like this. And I was like, this is not going to happen because there's a lot more involved in short films than short stories. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to take the dialogue and try and punch it. And so even that, I was like, this is just funny. And that is a callback to a theme that I'm just obsessed with because... In so much of the stuff that we like, genre fiction, sci-fi, comic books, there's always this question of saving the world. Right. Like, the chosen one's got to save the world. And 99.9% .9 of the time, they, not only do they do it, they want to do it. Right. They might hesitate, especially if it's a trilogy. That means second film. They don't want to do it anymore. Um, <laughs> but they always eventually like, you know what? It's because I'm Spider-Man. This is who I am. With great power, yada, yada. Right. Uh, I like the idea of, like, you know, if someone – because if someone came to me and was like, hey – you're the only one that can say it. It's like, you got the wrong dude, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, you want me to what? Oh, no, no. What I'm are the odds? Oh, what? No, it's crazy. Bye. <laughs> you remind me of uh, the lead character in Avenue 5. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was an HBO show. Um, I, I think it's brilliant. But it's that. Laurie. <laughs> Laurie is amazing. Um, but he's that character. He's like, everybody wants him to be the savior. He was like, F this. I am not. Oh, <laughs> nope. Go pick somebody else. Nope. Not me. I don't know what I'm doing. I was, I thought I was, I was supposed to fake it. I'm an actor. I'm a hired actor for this. Right. I love it. So good. Well, why don't we, Jayton, I think that we can help make this happen. Uh, whenever one of our friends says, hey, I was going to make a short film and then they decided it was too much work, then I remind them what you and I do. Yep. <laughs> That's so, what we do. Yeah. I, so if you want this, I think we could get this done. Uh, see, the tricky part, so I get, I have a proof of concept and a spec script. Right. Um, which, because of short film shortcomings, I was talking to theater friends about what we should do as a stage play, which is whatever. But I like the idea because it's literally dialogue. It's not my deal with Andre, because that's super dry. Great film. Fantastic film. But kind of dry. It is about a conversation. But because the entirety of, it's called Hesitant Envoy, that's the, the piece, and mm -hmm. it, it is just... This representative from an uh, intergalactic auditing agency is like, hey, you, you humans have messed up, man. Earth needs to get its act together. you got to tell us why so I can go back and buy you some time. And, of course, the envoy is like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, you made good points. Like, everything you're saying <laughs> is kind of spot on. It's like, maybe we shouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> to the point that then it flips where the representative of the auditor is actually trying to convince the envoy. Like, no, you got to say something. you got to save yourself. And it's like, I got nothing. Like, maybe we could, can we get rid of just bigots? It's like, you know, most people have a little bigotry. I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty bad. I guess I guess it's like, <laughs> Uh, but I love Everything the idea of this dialogue fantastic. being shot like an action movie, though. Yeah. Like, remember um, 
Dan Aronofsky when he did was it Requiem for a Dream? Yeah. And everyone was blown away when they yes. showed the users because it was sort of like a thousand cuts or whatever just to have yes. like Jared Leto putting a needle in his arm. It's like, oh, you get the, the people's dilating, there's blood flowing, this, this, this. But it really, you think about it, like, he just stuck and he's like, you know, shooting up. That's not, but he shot it so compelling. Right. <laughs> like, oh. So I think it'll be really funny to shoot this ridiculous premise of like an alien auditor and this like very And we owe man. you. I mean but anybody like. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who knows Taylor and I, like Taylor was a supervising producer of my comedy through the Chaos series. So Taylor, this is my job. I'll be your supervising producer. <laughs> we have an executive producer in Jaden. We already have photographers who have made short films because we already know Ellie Drew. <laughs> You know all the people, and she made an action movie, actually. For her, the short film that she and her partner made was a movie about lady boxers. So yep. we know all the fight choreographers. We could get this done if you needed that. We could get this done. I mean, that, that would be a dream. And Most you happen to be friends cool. with the executive director of a, a film festival. <laughs> but Twin Stories, that's like, I, I have friends who submitted to, like, the Oscars so, so right. often we'll for their short next. films. Yeah. So often that they know people now and like right. they're, they're part of the academy, but yes. like just because I know them doesn't mean I'm like Oscar worthy. Like Jaden is like here, like we we were at the Twin Cities Film Festival a few years back, and I remember chatting with him outside. And my buddy uh, Lolly was with me. Yeah, and she's like. He's like the, the the king of Hollywood, but in Minnesota. I was like, I know, right? He's like, he's like that's the cooler dude. Because he's like, when I when you said you can come with me, I thought it was gonna be like these film nerds, people like you. Like that guy's really cool. I was like, I always. You are always invited. You are always invited, Taylor. And uh, Taylor, okay, I I want to make sure that we have give your website again, all your social media. Tell us how we can get your book, and then I will all I will take the harassment of getting this actually turn into a short film. I will take that offline and bug you about that later. So <laughs> tell them how to get Rod String Nail Cloth. Yes, the Rod String Nail Cloth is available right now at Amazon, um, in a bunch of countries, and a handful of local places. You can ask a local as in Twin Cities, like mm-hmm. Palace Books. They do a lot of good ordering. Uh, still trying to work on Black Garnet, so if you know anybody okay. at Black Garnet Books uh, that's looking for some local authors, cool. like I would be down. They're the first black uh, bookstore, only black yes. bookstore, I think, in the Twin Cities, so right. it's really cool to get there. But otherwise, you can find it on Amazon, or just check out my author site, which is blkintl.com, <laughs> like Black Intellectual. With most, most of the out. Except for the one. <laughs> Taylor, uh, I adore you. I am always so happy when you join us. I'm sure we'll have lots of reasons to have you come on again. And so uh, it might be as soon as us doing a recap over WandaVision and getting ready for, um, oh, everything's starting. So uh, the winter the, the, the winter soldier show is coming out soon. Uh, we're going to have Loki coming out soon. We're finally going to get Black Widow. Lots of things that we're going to be able to, to talk about and uh, coming directly to everybody's flat screens. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we'll do that. Uh, you can find all the information about BR Geek if you want to email us, get in contact with us. You can go to the Twin Cities Film Fest website, which is TwinCitiesFilmFest.org. You can find BR Geek on Facebook, Twitter, at Instagram. You can email us at BRGeekShow at gmail.com. And feel free to leave us a message if you like. You can call us at 612-276-2774. Taylor, you are definitely uh, my favorite returning geek on this show. Don't tell anybody else that because I don't want them to think I, I pick favorites. <laughs> But, uh, Jayton, uh, did I miss anything? Can you think of anything else we need to cover today? No, and I want to – I actually certainly want to have Taylor back, and I want to do a, um, a revisit on the entirety of the show. And I wouldn't mind watching the whole show from beginning to the end okay. all in one sitting because I think that in itself would be a fascinating story 
stitched together in almost a two and a half, three hour movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, depending on how many seasons, uh, like, I don't know how the extended episodes are going to be, how long, but right. that said, I certainly want to have that conversation again. No, I think, uh, I think Taylor, thank you so much for your geekdom. Um, and again, you're, you're such a, I could talk to you again, Shannon's already mentioned this, we could talk to you about anything and everything and, and be fascinated. So, um, sooner than later, we should have you back on. And then next time you tell us what you want to talk about and maybe invigorate our minds and, and introduce us to something that, uh, that you're geeking out about that perhaps we're not. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Thank you for having me. I love coming here. Like, Shannon, same thing. You and Jayden are, like, my favorite podcasters. I'm one of those, I, I don't really listen to podcasts that much. Just a handful. Because, and I hate to be that guy, but, like, I was listening to podcasts back in, like, 2003, 2004. And then that's when they were still weird. And people were like, what are you listening to? That's dumb. And then it, my wife especially, she's like, oh, I remember saying say I want to start a podcast. And she's like, you're going to be one of those weird guys with a microphone in the basement. <laughs> and then you just jump forward. Now, every, like, there's a, what, a billion podcasts? Right. Like, that would be a fun one to talk about. Like, why are there only, with, the, with a handful of exceptions, BR Geek included, it seems like there's really only three podcasts. <laughs> There's like the where they talk really close to the mic, very yeah. slowly and very quietly, and you got the one that's really far from the mic. There's like eight dudes in the room all yelling and screaming at each other, and then the one where it's like someone who thinks they're a lot cooler than they or a lot more knowledgeable than they are. So it's like a rewatch, and they're like, okay, we're gonna watch all the episodes of Magnum <laughs> PI. Like strap in. It's like this yeah. isn't as interesting as you think it is. <laughs> 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 Well, thank you for not only really saying that we drop into all of those rooms. I appreciate that. Uh, this is going to be fun. So we have a number of homework assignments, so we'll make sure that we pick one of them, and we'll have you on again very soon, Taylor. Again, I want to remind everybody they can find us uh, wherever they find their favorite podcast. so please like and subscribe to Be Our Geek. We'll see everybody again soon. We appreciate you being part of the show because everyone is a geek about something. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.